The Lord delights to save his people as we sang, and that is because he came, he suffered and died and rose again the third day, and we will read about that and consider that today on this resurrection morning, this Lord's Day. If you turn with me to Luke chapter 24, the gospel according to Luke in chapter 24, we'll read the first 12 verses. chapter 24, beginning at verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. This far, our scripture reading for this morning. Dear congregation, our focus this morning will be on these verses that we read from Luke 24, and these women as they came to the tomb. And so when these women come to this tomb and they discover that the body of the Lord Jesus Christ is not there, but that he is risen. Their, their deep sadness is suddenly turned into joy, into gladness. And so Luke takes us through this gospel here to follow this, this group of women. These women who were likely the same ones that followed Jesus on the way to Golgotha as he was being led to be crucified. These women who had stood under that cross and saw him being crucified in his agony as he hung there. These women who heard the mocking of the people and of the soldiers and even of the other thieves. But they also heard the words of Jesus himself as he told the women not to weep for him, but to weep for themselves and for their children. He heard the Lord Jesus as he hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They, they saw and witnessed the earthquake and the darkness that, that flooded over the place as the Lord Jesus was nearing his death. And they heard the Lord Jesus as he cried out at the end and, and said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And these women, they followed Joseph 
And Nicodemus said they took down the body of the Lord Jesus and went and laid him in the tomb. And then it was the evening of Friday and they needed to go home. They could not work on the Sabbath and so they rested the Sabbath day. But now the first morning light, very early in the morning, it says in verse 1 here, on the first day of the week, the Sunday morning, this group of women, they come back to the tomb with their spices because they want to embalm the body of the Lord Jesus. But instead of finding the body of the Lord Jesus, they find something they never anticipated. And here they hear the first message of the resurrection being told to them. And that's our theme this morning, the first resurrection message to the women by these angels. The first resurrection message. And so we'll see what these women found and what these women heard and then what these women did. So first, what the women found. They certainly found something that they did not expect. They did not find what they came looking for. They came looking for the body of a dead Jesus. A Jesus who, to whom they could maybe pay their last respects. A Jesus whom they could embalm out of respect for Him and, and to, to think of some of the memories and, and the times that they had with Him. They were still weeping for Jesus. Even though Jesus had turned around and told them, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves. All their hopes and their expectations had vanished when they saw Him die. It's like when a young person passes away, then we speak of the loss and of the potential that they had and they say how much he'll be missed. But here, what did these women find instead? In verse 2, it says, But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. A stone was rolled away, a stone that had been guarded by soldiers, a stone that had been sealed by the authority of Pilate, a stone that that was too heavy for these women to move, a stone that was an obstacle for these women was suddenly now moved out of the way. Maybe this shows how overcome with grief these women were. They were going to the tomb with the spices, and yet did they not know that it was sealed, that it was guarded by soldiers, and that it was too big for them to move? Were they hoping the soldiers would move it for them, even though that would cost them their life to disobey Pilate's orders? These women were so focused on finding the body of a dead Jesus. So it's not a wonder here in verse 4 that it says they were greatly perplexed about this. Puzzled. Where is he? They found a stone rolled away, but they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They never even had the slightest thought that he would be risen. It never entered their minds. They were looking for the body, but never found him there. Is this in some way parallel your life? Are you looking for Jesus? But are you looking for him where he is not to be found? If we look for him in this world, in all the things that we can find in this world, whether it be the good things, the attractive things, or, or the temptations of this world, or, or even if we look in the darkness and the trials of this world, we can't seem to find him there. But then we also need to hear, secondly, what these women heard. Because here they heard something that they could not believe either. 
As these women stood there totally bewildered, suddenly two men, two angels, as, appeared as men in shining clothing. Two angelic messengers. It says their face is bright as lightning, their clothing as white as snow. And as these women bowed down in fear, these angels asked him, Why do you seek for the living among the dead? Why are you seeking the one who is living among the dead, among the graves where the dead are buried? In Matthew 28, these angels say, I know who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus who is crucified. But here they say, they give the answer to the, to the question that these women should have already known. And here these, these angelic messengers preach the first resurrection message and they say, he's not here, but he is risen. They say in verse 6, and so they, they say, look where he was laying. He is not here, but he is risen. Look at the stone that has been rolled away. It was not human hands that rolled it away. They say, look, death could not hold this Savior. The grave could not consume him. This stone could not block him in. Satan could not tie him here. And the guards could not keep him locked up here. And your spices, women, could not preserve his body here either. The angels exhorted him in verse 6. Do you remember what he told you when he was still with you? The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man. It must be crucified and the third day rise again. Do you remember that? Oh, they did remember that. His promises are not dead. And how often do we forget the promises of God? Promises that can seem like dead words to us because we don't remember that Jesus is the risen and living Savior. While he was with them, he told them so plainly what would happen. But it wasn't until he was gone that it became important to them. But they didn't remember it yet. How many promises do you and I read in his word? But it doesn't seem to apply to us. They don't seem so important to us. And we don't remember them. But will we remember them when darkness falls or temptations come or the trials hit? When all seems dark as night in our life, when God seems dead to us, will we remember his words? When he says those who will live godly will suffer persecution, will we remember that he said that? When he says in this world you will have, you will have trials and tribulations, but he says be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Do we remember those promises when we are in those times of difficulties? Because you know the enemy remembers. The Pharisees and the chief priests remembered his word in Matthew 27 verse 63. It says they remembered that Jesus said that he would die and rise in three days. That's why they sealed the stone with Pilate's seal. That's why they set the guard around it. Because they did not want Jesus to arise. They did not even want a rumor to start about Jesus rising. See, the world knows about the power of God. They know the conviction that it brings to your hearts and to your minds. And that's why they want Christ dead. 
They want God dead and buried in this world. They want that grave locked. They want that grave sealed so that they can go on in their life of sin. Well, the enemy remembers God's word and they're afraid of it. Satan knows God's word and is afraid of it. And that's why they want to silence it. Laws being made all over the world in different countries trying to put God in the grave and to seal it there. Do you remember his words of promise and prophecy? That means there is an eternal purpose. Why he was delivered into the hands of sinful men. Why he was crucified and buried. And that means that he will rise again. That he is risen as he said. Do you remember his word? Yes, we so often forget that word. But in verse 26, he says, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse, 46, uh, verse 44, sorry. All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me, Christ said. And verse 46, Thus it is written, And thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Christ needed to die. He had to face the wrath of God against our sin. He died as the just one, the innocent one, for the unjust and for the guilty ones. He took your place, women. There he paid for sin. But that's done now. God's wrath has been turned away now. God's favor shines down in Jesus Christ now. Just like the shining angels speaking to you that you can't look upon because of the brightness. They they come on God's behalf to bring you this message, women. That sin has been removed, crucified with Christ. He nailed that sin debt to the cross and he took it out of the way. He canceled that debt, paying with it by his own life. And the judge of heaven and earth says, it is paid in full. And this is the Lord's day morning where the debt is paid and the prison doors have been thrown open wide and and say, "You you are free to go. That prison of death is not permitted to hold Christ a moment longer because his debt has been, the debt has been paid. No stone can block the entrance any longer. No guards permitted to stand in front of it anymore. No pilot allowed to falsely condemn him anymore. And no Satan can assault him anymore because he's not here, because he is risen. Do you remember what he said? Ah, they remembered his words. And since Christ is risen, and in him our sins are nailed to the cross, that means that we bear them no more. Since he is risen, that means he has carried our sin debt away forever, never to be seen again. Now, they could not believe this until they remembered his own words, until they saw that Christ was no longer there in the grave. Then the weeping, then the worrying, then the sorrowing, it all vanished like the dew does in the morning sun. And just like Psalm 30 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And then thirdly, we see what the women did. Once they remembered, they believed. The light of God and His Word dispels that darkness of their hearts. And in verse 9, they returned from the tomb to tell others. 
Matthew 28 says that they ran back quickly, filled with fear and great joy. Here is the news too wonderful to understand, too wonderful to keep to themselves. Christ is risen. And what does that mean? That means He is my Savior. That He means He is still my Lord. Notice in verse 3, it says they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. This is the first time they say these words are used together here. He is my Lord and my Savior. This is Jesus. And so the women say it's no longer use standing here anymore. Even the sight of these angels are not what satisfies their hearts anymore. But the news that Christ is risen, that He is not here but risen. And now they become the second messengers of this resurrection message. Verse 9, they returned and told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. And what do you think they said to those apostles? Jesus is risen. He is not there anymore. He's alive. He is risen. And that means He is the Messiah. That means He is our Savior. Do you remember what He told us when He was still with us? But in verse 11... The disciples have to go through the same thing these women did. They could not believe them. To the disciples, it seemed like idle tales, like like nonsense, incoherent nonsense. These women were probably bubbling over with excitement, you can imagine. And after running from the grave, they're out of breath. And so trying to tell these disciples that, maybe they couldn't understand them properly. And they say, sounds like idle tales. But just like these women needed to see and to believe and understand for themselves, every one of us needs to see and to believe for ourselves that this is Jesus Christ, the risen Lord and risen Savior. And in verse 12, Peter went to see for himself. He saw the empty tomb and he marveled. He was amazed. And when he believed, he also became a messenger In Acts, you can read how they preached the gospel, preached the resurrection throughout the world. And so Luke is showing us here in this this passage how strong and how undeniable the evidence of the resurrection is. His own disciples are not easily convinced. They're not easily, easily convinced of the fact that Jesus was alive. They each needed to come to the firm conviction themselves. Why? Because nothing but the real and living Lord Jesus could satisfy their heart. They knew who He was and they could not be satisfied until they knew that He was the one who was alive. And so they went from the darkness of the weeping in unbelief to a bold witnessing and preaching through the power of the Holy Spirit. And later most of the apostles would even give their own lives for that witness, dying for their faith. They were so convinced that they could never again deny that Christ was alive. Peter, who so easily denied Christ in front of a little maid, even before Christ was crucified, after he knew Christ was risen, and especially after he received the Holy Spirit in power, they went and preached boldly, He went to prison. He stood before the rulers. And he was even crucified upside down for his testimony of Christ. 
he could no longer deny Christ was alive, that he was risen, that he's ascended into glory, that he is not here, but that he is risen. And nothing, dear congregation, nothing can satisfy your soul and my soul but to know the real and living Christ for our own heart and our own mind. Nothing but a real living conviction and faith in this, this Christ will enable us to stand in the hour of any temptation. Because without that we will certainly fall. Without that we have nothing. Without a certain knowledge of this risen Savior, without a firm faith and belief in this living Lord, we have nothing. And so we are called to come and see for yourself, to remember and to believe what Christ tells you in His Word, that Christ was made sin for us, that in Christ sin has been crucified, that He arose triumphant. That means that sin is gone. That means that Satan is defeated That means death is defeated. That means that in Christ, God's favor shines down now for all who come to God through Him. And this shows us that believing in the Lord Jesus is not just a simple decision. It's not just a momentary decision or a light or easy thing that we do in our life. These These disciples needed to come to a firm, true realization that Christ was alive. alive. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to convict us of our need, to convict us of the reality of Christ, to repent of our sins, to believe in this Savior. This is what we need to see and to believe in order to walk with that joy, with that confidence, with that holy boldness in His Word. That we need to know that He is risen, but we need to know that He's risen for me, for you, for us. That your sins are gone in Him. Dear believers in Christ, if you have been risen with Christ, sorry, if you have been crucified with Christ, you have also been risen with Him to a new life. That means you have life from the dead. That means you have that new legal standing before God where God sees you as not guilty, where God sees you as if you never had had any sins because Christ has taken those all away and you're covered in His righteousness and His perfection. He sees you as not guilty. He declares you not guilty. Then you have that new outlook on eternal life. Yes, He has then given you eternal life in Christ. See, Christ did not just come to give us a better life, but Christ came to give, to give us life, to give life itself. Because without Christ, there is nothing but death. Do you believe that Christ died and that Christ rose again? Do you believe that He died and rose again for you? Have you sought for Him among the dead for many days but could not find Him? Do you seek Him until He made you remember His word that Christ died for you, bearing your sins on that cross, but that now He is alive forevermore, that your sins are there nailed to that cross, never to come back to you again? Because the evidence will be seen in your life, how you live, 
Are you then attached to the living body of Christ on this church, on this, on this earth? Do you believe and do you desire to speak of Christ as your risen Savior as these women did? Do you want to avoid all sin and temptation in this world because that's what nailed Christ to the cross and that's what separates you from Him and that's what made you dead in the first place? Sin is death. And have you gone out and told, like these women did, the others around you, the people that you know, the disciples, saying in verse 34, the Lord is risen indeed. Young people, Do you believe? Will you confess this Lord as your Savior before God and men? Do you believe Christ is alive? Or do you still think Christ is dead? Is your life hidden in this world? Or is your life hidden in Christ? Because if Christ is not in you by faith, If he's not in you with his Holy Spirit, then know that you are still dead in sins and trespasses with no hope of eternal life. Then Christ is still dead to you, even though he is risen in heaven. And if you're still dead in sins and trespasses, just like dead bodies in the grave continue to decompose and decay, you will continue to grow worse and worse in your sin, further and further from God, rotting and in sin and corruption. And just like a dead body can't rise up out of the grave itself, you cannot rise up out of your sin in your own strength. But Christ can give you life. He can raise you up from spiritual deadness. He can roll away that stone that locks you in your soul in death. You can't, but Christ can. And that's why He came to defeat death. That's why He rose from the dead. Do you have a sense of your own deadness? Your own deadness to sin? Is that your life? That you find you're not able to believe, even that you're not willing to believe and to submit to Christ? Maybe you look at this passage and say, I don't see Jesus for me in here. Or you can't believe that He arose for you. That He took your sins. Oh, Christ says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. He says, come and see for yourself. Remember the word that God spoke to you. Come to Christ in His word. Seek for that power of His Holy Spirit to to open your hearts, to enable you to believe on Him. Pray that you will remember and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that all your sins will be nailed to the cross and be buried there forever. He says, now come, repent of those sins and believe on this Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and you will be raised to an eternal life in Christ and with Christ. Then your light will break forth like the morning. Then your weeping will turn to joy in the morning. But if there is never any weeping over your sins now, never any seeking for Christ now, How will there ever be joy in the morning of eternity? Is there a seeking after God? Is there a searching for Him in your life? 
Is there a looking for life with Him? This passage here shows us the evidence of Christ's resurrection. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. The Jews believed it. They, they believed in the doctrine of the resurrection. Even though they didn't believe that Christ was the one who was the Messiah. Still they were worried that he would rise from the dead. These women would not believe it until they were shown his word by and remembered the word. Then they went and took that message through the world. And in the Acts, we can see how, the Acts of the Apostles, how in every city where they went, where, where life was given as they preached this resurrection message, there was great joy found in those cities. And our hope and our expectation is not based on idle tales as these disciples first thought, but on the truth of the risen Lord. Because if Christ is not risen, then we are of all people most miserable. But now because Christ is risen, because He is not here, but He sits in heaven, we have the greatest hope of all people in this world. Because we have eternal life. And we can look forward to the resurrection of our own bodies on that last day when God will make them incorruptible and immortal and eternally to be with the Lord forever. That is the hope that we need Dear congregation, to face the hostility of this world. That is a hope that we need to face the temptations to sin in this world and the temptations that rise up in our own heart. With that hope, we can walk through this world unaffected by it because our life is then hid with Christ. And that hope and that joy is what causes us to worship Him as our Lord and as our Savior. Then what will you not give for Him who has given all for you? Then what can you hold back from God in this world? Because everything here will pass and eternity awaits. And so this passage should convict us of the truth of Christianity, of the reality of the resurrection, and of the certainty of the resurrection of our own bodies after death. And if Christ has risen and taken such detail to show it to his disciples and to us, then there's no doubt that we also shall rise again on that day to see Christ as he is and his people to be made like he is when they see him. These women, they returned and they told all these things to the rest. How can we then hold this this message back? Let this message propel you to live for Christ in this world. This world is dying and our bodies will perish, we know. But Christ is risen. That means if you are in Christ, you will rise with him to eternal life. Christ is risen and that means he will preserve his people, you and his church for in this life and forever. That means that he is still saving sinners today through this message of the resurrection. And it means that this gospel will be preached, as he says in Matthew, to, through all the nations of this world before he will come again in the clouds of heaven to take his people to himself. Do you believe and do you remember 
as the angels asked these women, because he is not here, but he is risen. Amen.